Welcome to the One Big Idea Podcast. Each week, we speak with the brightest founders, creators, and thought leaders to discuss the biggest ideas in Web3 today. One Big Idea is powered by Rug Radio, the world's largest decentralized media company changing the way creators build, distribute, and own their content. To learn more about this creator-first community, visit Rug Radio at www.rug.fm. What's going on, guys? So before we get into today's episode, I wanted to give a big shout out to our theme song, which we are deeming one big theme. It is a transcontinental cross-chain co-production collaboration between the Blocktones, Gino the Ghost, based out of LA, and Kids of the Apocalypse, Stefan Storm, based out of Stockholm. Really excited about this. These are two projects and owners and builders that I know very well and own both of them. So just want to give a quick little plug at the top. For Kids of the Apocalypse, they're establishing themselves as the first marquee music project to emerge from the Solana ecosystem. It's actually the first and only Solana project that I have bought, so shout out to them. It's an ambitious music-led multi-format franchise IP project, so think Gorillaz meets the Stranger Things. This project counts some of the best minds in the Web3 music space as team members and advisors from Neon Gold to Koopa Troopa to Rio Craigun to Verite, all absolute powerhouses and people that I call near and dear friends. Uh, Kids of the Apocalypse launched their Genesis key debut single, The Noise, last month, which minted out instantly. And we'll be following with their debut music video, Pray For Us, featuring Rio Craigun in partnership with Glass XYZ next week. The Pray For Us drop will utilize a first-of-its-kind Spotify pre-save for Alalis Mechanic in partnership with Heyman and Feature.fm, which has the potential to be a game-changer for the whole music NFT ecosystem, offering a bridge for Web3 artist projects to translate their Web3 community into Web2 DSP support. Super excited for this one. Definitely make sure to check out Kids of the Apocalypse. Also make sure to check out Block Tones. I spent maybe a couple hours last week going through all the different Block Tones until I found the right one and want to give a huge shout out to both Gino and Varun, who was a massive help in getting me my stems uh, and really engaging the community. So I really hope you enjoy this. Definitely want to play around with having the community interact and remix and create derivatives of the theme song. So more to come. I wanted this to feel very Web3 native. Without that, without further ado, we'll kick it over to me in the studio. Enjoy. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Today on the pod, we have the illustrious Sydney Swift. He is joining us from his lair in Los Angeles, the studio <laughs> where all the magic happens, looking lovely as ever. So Sydney, I'll give you a little brief intro. Uh, Sydney Swift is an American entrepreneur, inventor, investor, and the founder of CEO of Web3 Entertainment Company, Defiant. Previously, Sydney worked within the entertainment and technology industries for over 15 years as a Grammy-nominated 10-time platinum songwriter, producer, and engineer. He has worked alongside artists like Drake, Beyonce, Future, Nicki Minaj, Lil Wayne, Jason Derulo, DJ Khaled, Panic at the Disco, and more. I'm like getting anxious just saying all those names. My God, like they're here in the room with us right now. Uh, in 2017, Sydney started Defiant, a Web3 agency and NFT incubator with the purpose of bridging culture and the metaverse together, finding early success with the virtual artist Chill Pill, which we will definitely get into. In 2019, Sydney was granted a U.S. patent for inventing the secondary device synchronization, a technology used in music and TV to layer media experiences. He has worked with countless artists and brands to understand and identify strategies that usher them into the world of Web3. What's going on, man? Dude, follow me, <laughs> me to all networking events and just give, give the intro for me. That was amazing. I can't. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be your hype, man. I'm totally down. Whatever you need. <laughs> I could never. Everybody's like, hi, who are you? I'm like, hi, I'm Sid. I like music. And that was just like epic. So I appreciate it. Thank you, man. No, no problem. Yeah, no, it's, it is an honor uh, to call you a friend and very, very grateful that you're joining us for the second episode of One Big Idea. There are a bunch of topics that I want to get to, into. Obviously, this will be super Web3 focused. You've been building in this space for a while. We've had a bunch of partnerships from when I was at Venice Music, and I've really gotten to see you grow Defiant and grow ChillRx and everything that you're doing over there. So I definitely want to spend a lot of time diving into that. But first, this is a man in front of me that's had a very illustrious career before Web3. Obviously, some of those names are going to be pretty familiar to the audience. 
I'd love to just get like a brief one-on-one of like how you started in the industry. Like take me from the beginning and, and really kind of break down the different stages if you could. Yeah. I mean, it all started back in, uh, I mean, I, I really started my career like right out of high school. I like, I dropped out to go to music school. Um, or like a tr- music trade school really called SAE, which is, um, just more, you know, career focused rather than just generalized study focused. So I did that. And then immediately like, well, not even immediately, like during that, the schooling of that, I was, uh, interning at a bunch of different music studios in Miami, in Miami where I'm from. So yeah, man, it was just me like interning, going to school during the day, interning at night, you know, 16, 16, 18, 24 hour days, uh, and, and did all the bitch work from getting, you know, coffee, painting floors and ceilings and everything. Um, and just slowly worked my way up the, the trust ladder in the industry. Oh man, hold my bad. My, my laptop. <laughs> what do you got? What do you got charging over there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's going up and in. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like the real like moment that changed my tr- career trajectory was like I was interning at one of the studios in Miami called Hit Factory. And at the time, this was like 2010. So Lil Wayne had just started Young Money, Cash Money Records. He had just signed to Drake, just signed Nicki Minaj, Tyga, like hip hop, the hip hop renaissance was about to happen, you know? And, um, and I was just in the right place, right time interning. And, you know, I got to experience the, you know, creation of music from an A-list artist perspective all the way to like an upcoming artist perspective, you know, and it was just like a really great time for me to just take, I mean, it was just like, you know, it, it was the schooling that I always wanted was just being able to bird's eye view, fly on the wall view of like the song making process, the music industry process. Um, and during that time, Jason Derulo was coming into the studio working on one of his albums. And so as an intern, I'm like sweeping the floor. I hear Jason Derulo is coming. So I'm like, fuck this. I'm not about to like intern for another two years, you know, like, and wait for my moment. Like I have some dope beats. I'm going to go figure out a way to get Jason to hear. Yeah. So I like sneak into the studio when nobody's there. I like drop all my beats onto the computer. I like, you know, knew a little bit of coding just enough to like increase the folder size and like color code it and make it like the first thing you see when you sit down. And it said like beats for Jason and I left. And then I came back the next day and I was like, like, you know, let's see what happened. I didn't hear anything, uh, you know, that night, but when I got back, I immediately got called to the boss's office and they were like, yo, who put those, who put that folder on the computer or whatever. I thought I was going to get fired. But uh, it turned out that he had recorded to some of the ch- the songs, and they were like, "Yo, that was you, man. Come, come meet Jason. Come, like, you know, work on the." And like, that's just kind of how the process started. I, like, kicked through the door of a year and a half more of interning, and just, you know, supercharged my career from like intern to producer kind of overnight because of that. Um, and then, yeah, that was kind of how it all started. And then worked, you know, with a bunch of artists in Miami, and then came out to LA and did the songwriter producer scene out there. Um, but yeah, that was really the big breakthrough moment. Like it was just kicking that door. It down. really reminds me, there's a book by Alex Banyan uh, called The Third Door. I don't know if you've read it or not, but the basically he's a freshman at USC and he has this audacious goal of interviewing like some of the biggest personalities that exist, like some of the best minds, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Lady Gaga, which funny enough, he Troy Carter is in the book because he tries to go talk to, to Lady Gaga, who we mutually know. And he sets these audacious goals and really comes up with a framework of there's always these three doors, right? The front door, which is the one of like, everyone waits in line. You're told when it's your turn to go. It's very structured of like, okay, I do this, then I do this, then I do this. I'm climbing the ladder to get into this place. There is the back door, which is for like the elites. You've already made it you or you're paying your way in. And then there's this idea of the third door, which is like, I had to jump over a fence. I had to like go underneath a trash can. You know, I had to like pay off like some guy at the door and, and you know, like put on a costume to get in. 
And that's very like, it reminds me very much of your story of just going full punk and makes a lot of sense why Web3 is something that you gravitated towards because like, okay, there's this establishment of how we're supposed to operate. Yeah, no, like I'm just going to take it and go, go after it. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear through that experience, you know, how did you first come into contact with Web3? How did you start thinking about it? Um, yeah, what did that look like? Uh, when I, I mean, I first came into contact with web three when I, I didn't know it was web three, but like, I had like bought a bunch of drugs on the silk road back in like, 2012. <laughs> like I would, I would literally be, I think if not, if not a hundred millionaire, a billionaire, like if I this was like kept, OG Bitcoin, you were like yeah, buying, like, like, that's like, amazing. 2012, like I was buying drugs on the silk road. Like literally I was, I would buy a gram of, uh, of, of weed. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is the coolest thing in the world. Like, Oh, like I would, I would go to the Bitcoin ATM down the street. I would like have tour browser. I would like do the whole thing. Like it was like the whole, I, I felt like a hacker. It was like amazing, but like all just to get like a gram of weed that like eventually would become legal. And I could walk down the street and get, but like, how did you so, even hear about it? Like that's like OG status Silk Road. Like, how did you even hear about it? I was just always on like internet forums and like, I was always yeah. like, you know, futurism was always my passion. So like, you know, I would be in the studio you know, recording and mixing and mastering. And like, because it was like music was my passion until it became my profession. And then when it became my profession, I like, I needed a passion, I, I, like a side hobby. And then it was always ended up being futurism and technology. So I was always gravitating it, just like always in the forms and stuff. And that's kind of how I stumbled across it and then figured out the whole Silk Road. It just, it was again going like, it was like this counterculture, like, you know, side door of like, oh, yeah, wow, there's yeah. another way to do things. You know, looking back, like I, I probably have bought grams of weed that now, you know, are those weed, those grams of weed are like millions of dollars today. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah, man. So it like that was like my like you know dipping my toe in, in crypto, and then in 2016, 2017, like you know after after ETH started to kind of like make traction, uh, that was like another kind of like a, another becking call of like. Oh, this is something else that is an interesting use case other than currency, like these smart contracts and 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 you know what you can do with them. And and I think like right around then in 2017 is when I kind of made the I, I made the transition from like I'm going to not just do music, but I'm going to like merge like the the technological passion that I have and bet on the metaverse and like bet on these digital experiences and it, and it what like i back then i didn't call it web3 like you know it, it wasn't even known as the metaverse but yeah that's kind yeah. of when like like i started to ideate on this like digital avatar character and like you know i i i had this idea in my head because like as a music producer until you like become like the dr dre or you become the timberland like you are you are like a B, C, D list producer working on these major projects, but like it always ends up the, the, the brand that gets the most shine is always obviously the A list producer, right? So it'd be like me making the entire beat and then like an A list guy coming in, putting a snare drum on it. And then, you know, Beyonce produced by so-and-so. And I'm like, yo, that dude didn't even make the whole track. It was, it was- That's know. something that I think a lot of people don't realize about the industry as well. Like you see, you have these A-list producers that people know, right? Like the Metro Boomings of the world. But you don't realize that there's, there's actually a considerable team that goes into that and what the workload looks yeah. like can vary, very greatly song by song. It is literally, if, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the, people watching are like, you know, art collectors. Uh, and it, it's very Damien Hurst-esque where mm. like Damien signs it at the end. And, but he has a, a literally has a machine of 30 people doing this, the projects with him, you know, and, and he's the face of, of and he's the, the brand, brand, you know, yeah. and like, you know, I mean, it, obviously it took him a long time to get there. He's paid his dues, blah, blah, blah. But I was just experienced this, this moment in my career where it was like, you know what? Like, I'm not the face. I don't like to be that guy uh, branded on Instagram. And, you know, music industry is very face value. You got to pose in front of Lamborghinis with, you know, you know, money and, or, or you have to be like, you know, a very fake it till you make it thing. And I was never into that. I was always like behind the scenes, but I was, I had this idea 
because I, I was always a big fan of like Quasimodo, the gorillas, and like this idea that like, well, you know, like that's a story. Like there's a story there that like, if a cartoon character produced Beyonce's next single, it wouldn't matter if Timberland did it or Dr. Luke or whoever, the cartoon is a bigger story for publication. And it's a way to build a brand where you're also not stepping on your mentor's toes. You know, I, I think it like mm -hmm. about the 48 laws of power. It's like never outshine the master, you know? So like, there's like, I was trying to figure out this way to like not outshine the people that were helping putting me on, you know, and getting me into these rooms. Uh, while at the same time, like organically playing around with this idea of like, well, well, what does it have to be me as the face? Can it be a, an alter ego? Alter, alter ego, yeah. yeah. A digital so, avatar. Yeah. And that's, that's where we came up with the idea of chill pill and like, you know, this cartoon character that lives in the real world. Uh, you know, it's very Roger Rabbit esque. So like the character will go and, you know, be in the studio session with Drake or be in the studio and like, or do DJ sets in the real world and interacts with humans, but he himself is a cartoon character, you know, and represents. Yeah. So I want to, I definitely want to get into chill pill fully and like be able to dive fully deep. I am curious though, as you're, so this is like 2017, you're starting to think like, okay, digital avatars are thing. It was a thing already. And you brought up like the gorillas for people who don't know. They tour literally, if you go see them, in tour, you'll watch like music videos, you'll watch the digital avatars play in front of the band. And so yep. this idea, it, it's really interesting seeing it come around full circle now with like Hume and what you guys are doing. And and it, people are like, oh, this is new, but no, the concepts have, have been around for a minute. I am curious though, as you started like diving in, I presume you're someone like me who like tells your colleagues like, yo, this is interesting. Like I wanna dive into this. What was the reaction like in 2017 of like, I think there's something there because for just so people are like fully aware of like timeline, like this is like early crypto punks, I believe, or it might've even been before. Yeah. 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 So it's before. like the very beginning in terms of, Oh, what are these digital assets on chain? Yeah. I mean, the, people thought I was nuts. People thought I was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I was laughed out of rooms at like the touring agencies you know, I was, uh, just, I would be the guy that runs in and is like, okay, I have this artist who can do a world tour in one night. If once it becomes an A-list artist, Beyonce ranks in what, $300 million, but it takes her a year and a half to, to three years to do that. We could do it in one night with lower cost. Like it, 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 it was, I was just like sitting there trying to like explain this, this potential to people. And, and it just was just, not computing, you know, like people didn't understand. Uh, I also think like it, it's my fault because I'm always, <laughs> I'm always going like way, way too far in advance, way too soon. Like even in music, like I would make, I would make a, a beat and it wouldn't get placed until three years later. Like, cause I'm always way too early, even, even creatively. So like back then I was like literally like three, four years early of being like, AR is going to be a thing. 5G is going to be a thing. You're going to be able to sit in the room with a character talking to it and like trying to, trying to pitch technology that didn't, didn't exist yet. And, and so, yeah, I would just get laughed out of the room, you know, like my core team, you know, understood it. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it was just like, it, it was just cool. Cause it was just like me, the core team uh, at the time, like, uh, you know, um, my brother who was working with us, um, an A&R, and a couple of like my songwriter producer buddies, like, and we were just like in the trenches trying to like build out this ident virtual identity and like what an artist ecosystem, like, you know, what does it look like digitally, you know? What gave you the conviction to, to go ahead? Like it's, I, I, I don't think we can overstate how much of a challenge this looks like in, it, it looks like a challenge in 2022, even in the bear market or in the bull market of 2021, it looked like a challenge. So 2017, this is just like a couple nerds talking to each other at this point that like really feel the vision. Like why, why were you so determined to, to make this a reality? Uh, I mean, I just, I saw what was happening. I saw it was coming. It was fun. You know, it was different. Like I, I got to a point in my career where it was like getting monotonous, like wake up, do edits, get in a songwriting session, try to write a hit for Rihanna. It's probably not going to happen. You know, like, like, 
it, it was just it was getting very very monotonous and and you know while I understand I'm like incredibly lucky to have those opportunities like you know it's always a grass is greener situation where like and I'm always looking for like something new and exciting to to try so it just was like an opportunity for me and it was at the time like I was lucky enough to have had success in the industry like to afford myself the ability right, to right. to try new stuff you know and like I, I didn't necessarily have to uh, you know, I, I had the freedom. I had the freedom to be able to do it. I had, you know, some success. So I had some funding to be able to do it. And, and so I was like, you know, it was just, it was almost like I would look back. I looked back at like uh, my Bitcoin, my, my Bitcoin mess up and was like, <laughs> you know, if, if I went all in back then I would be really good. So like, to, I should probably do it, like go all in. I don't want to, I don't want to look five, 10 years from now and be like, man, I, I should have jumped all in, you know, 10 years ago. Like, you know, that's like a constant. Yeah. It's this regret minimization framework, right? This idea of to your point, am I going to look back 10 years from now and regret that I made the leap and also being self-aware to know that this was a two-way door, right? Like you could go all the way in, you had the safety net of the success that you had already built to really go after it. And I think oftentimes a lot of people wait for that perfect moment but you have to be conscious of like, hey, if it doesn't work, like I can always, I can always go back. I can do this thing that quite frankly, like I was feeling was monotonous anyways. And so this like combination of leaning into your curiosity with having strong conviction that this was a future with having a bit of safety to know that you could really, really give it a go, I think made for the perfect combination to to allow you to really start building early and, and continue to where you're at today. Yeah, absolutely. And like the way I would always frame or, or, or set up these expeditions was always like based around the idea of like, if and statements. So like, you know, it, it wasn't like I like, it wasn't like I stopped doing songwriting sessions. It was, it was more so like, I have this, this thing I'm building now and so when I get in with songwriting sessions, it wasn't just about writing that song for Rihanna. It was like, well, you know what? Why don't we write a weird song today and see if it works for Rihanna? But it could also work for this chill pill thing I'm doing if it doesn't work for this. And like, so like it allowed me the freedom to experiment, not just by myself, but like with other people who maybe necessarily didn't have the freedom to experiment, you know, or, or didn't have the opportunity to. So yeah, it was a kind of like a kill two birds with one stone situation. Yeah, you gave yourself a sandbox to experiment while also like allowing yourself to still build the main thing. So that's probably a good segue to talk about Chill Pill. What came first, Chill Pill or Defiant as a company? Ooh, that's a great question. It was like right one and the same. It was we, okay. we, like I, I started Defiant. Uh, actually, it was probably it was like Defiant, and then a couple months later, like Chill Pill. But it, that was only because. We started Defiant as a music management and publishing company. It was like a web okay. two thing. And then and then as I started to build out this character, I realized that, oh, I could sign this character to Defiant management to Defiant, yeah. records and and that could be our flagship artist. And and so then that's how Defiant kind of started to become a web three company, more so than a web two company, because it, it like, you know, it just there was just so much more opportunity in, in the tech side of things than it was on like these traditional trajectories. Yeah. So tell, tell me about those early days of Defiant. What is this around 20, is it 2019? Yeah, I was 20. Yeah. Tw I mean, we, we came up with, we took about a year coming up with like the character concept of chill pill and, and like started Defiant in 2016 came up with the character. It took me like six months to like come up with the name. Like we were like going through like, hey, was it an alien? Is it a animal? What is it? And like my ex-girlfriend at the time, like sent me one of those long text messages, uh, you know, like one of the, like the novel text messages. And like yeah, oh, yeah. somewhere in it, she said something about chill pill. And like when she said it, I was like, oh, that's, that's like, it. she sent it with the emoji. And I was, and like at the time EDM was popping and there wasn't marshmallow yet but like it just like made sense like okay cool like a dj called chill pill who's a cartoon it's a brand so like that was like the moment i was like all right that's our character and i was like thank you that was like my closure as well like for that relationship so it was like <laughs> thank, thank you for you this gift for this gift <laughs> we 
have we have you know come to our parting ways and and uh and then yeah from there it was designing the character with um with my creative director who like is still with us today she's she's doing all of the nft stuff with us and um yeah take another like six months to a year to do that um and at the same time like in parallel we were shopping the idea to like all of the labels and publishers uh trying to find some partnerships for distribution um and yeah, it was. So tell me, tell me about that pitch. I'd love to know. Okay, early days, you're ideating on what this character is going to be, how they're going to be presented. You're in a label meeting, and as we just discussed, at this time, around this time, a lot of people are like, "That's crazy!" Like, I want nothing to do with that. How did you go into those conversations? What What was the pitch to these labels? So the first thing that we did, even before we dropped music, is like we built up chill pills instagram presence as an influencer because we knew that like scrollability like you would stop if you saw a cartoon character interacting in the real world in 2017. so you know that which worked like we got like you know up to i think 50,000 followers like in the couple first like couple months um and then that, that was that was like a good like case study of like hey something's happening here with this idea and it was like a really low barrier to entry because like it would just we were just drawing on top of images and then posting and like building this story around it. So like when we got went into these label meetings, it was kind of like, here is what we have now. It's a little bit of a case study. This is what the character looks like. He interacts, blah, blah, blah. Here's some of the music. And I, we would play like the left of center songs that we were building. And it was all very, I mean, it was funny. It was like back then it was even like, it was like trap pop before trap pop was cool. So that was even like a hurdle to get past. Um, but it was that, that, and then like, you know, the future deck, which was like, listen, Apple just patented AR glasses. 5G is coming out in 2021 or 2020 or whenever the, like, you know, and we like literally would yeah. lay out like the, the, the text directory and just kind of put our, our project in like this, like, you know, in phases of like, this is what we're going to do the first year, second year, third year. Um, and most people loved the idea, but they were too scared to take it to their boss. Like, like they weren't ready to risk their, their job uh, on the pitch. Um, because it was such a, a huge undertaking and like, you know, and, you know, the majority of bosses at record labels are like over 50 and, you know, have no idea. And for people that don't know, like if you're, if you're in one of these meetings as an A&R, A&Rs are artists of repertoire. They're the people that are like going out and signing talent and, and up there, you know, working with them and, and getting them on the radio and everything like that. You're measured by how many hits do you have? You're measured by what is your hit rate? And so if something is both expensive and incredibly risky, that is like rat poison to a label. It's like, no, I'm, I'm good on this one. Like this doesn't, this doesn't like the risk reward doesn't feel right to me. So I imagine like a lot of, to your point, like a lot of the pushback that you were getting was like, I, it, maybe it could work, but like, I just don't want to risk it. Yeah. It was, it's funny. Like, uh, the majority of the music industry, and I mean, you've heard this a thousand times, I'm sure, is like, <laughs> it's all about the song. It's all about the song. At the end of the fucking day, if you have a hit song, it's going to save everything. It's going to, it'll save the company. And while I agree with that, I think Web3 is the opposite. It's all about the story. And it doesn't, you don't need a hit. The story will be, make, will help propel it to become a hit song. All a hit song is, is a song that, gets streamed a bunch and all you have to do to get streamed a bunch is make people want to hear something over and over again it doesn't necessarily have to be good or bad it like look at baby shark like if i played that <laughs> for anybody nobody would say that's a hit song but it became a hit because of the story attached to it and like what what it represented so i think like web3 breaks those barriers and when i was going into these meetings the mentality was still very much like this is an un, these are untested hits. They sound weird. The artist is left of center. Like I'm I, like, I've never heard or seen this before. And, and like, they're just like, like what it was like 2017. So they were just like, at the time they were just like, give me an Adele ballad or give me, you know, uh, something that sounds like Post Malone's first song or whatever, it is, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's tough, man. The music industry is still like that, bro. Like the industry is still very much in that mentality, you know? which is a shame. Yeah. And that's why the waves that we see develop come from the independent space. For the most part, they don't come from the labels. It's talent that goes out and is willing to take a risk because they have nothing to lose. And then you find out that 
you know, so-and-so superstar artist goes and takes their sound and puts it into their next record. And so exactly. it makes sense when you see something like a Drake putting out a dance hall record or Beyonce putting out a dance record after that had been bubbling up in the independent and global space for so long. Like that, that's just kind of the natural progression of things. So yeah, I totally agree with you. So just to go back to the meetings, where, where did that get resolved with, with Chill Pill? What, how did you end up uh, developing that project? So we ended up signing a deal with Atlantic and I, I, it, the, the, the irony was it was it, the deal didn't come from me pitching the project. The deal came from a song I did with one of their artists called Lil Bitch. And at the time, like it was one of my favorite songs I've ever done. And I did it with this artist who then got signed to Atlantic and they called us to buy the song for the girl on this on the song that was featured on the song. And I was like, listen, you can't have the song. It's, it's for our project, our artist project. And, and then that's when I was like, you know, I had to explain the whole project, this and that. And they were more so like, like I mentioned, they were like, well, this song is a hit. So like, we'll sign you. Like they didn't give a fuck if it was me as the artist or chill pill or whatever. They were just like, we want this song for this, this artist that we're signing and whatever. And, and so we, I got signed based off of that. And, you know, that kind you of Trojan horse it. We Trojan horse. I mean, it, you Trojan yeah. horse it. Yeah, exactly. Like, so it, it's, that got us in the room with, you know, Atlantic and, and that whole side of things. And then over the course of the next year or two was just us like, you know, developing, we, we, we did a, we did a, I mean, thank God for my lawyer. We did an incredible deal. That was just like a five song licensing deal. So like they presented us with a deal that was like, I think, it, okay, I think it, I, I'll be real transparent with you guys. It was like a $350,000 deal for seven albums. Seven albums. Say that one more time. $350,000 for seven, seven albums. Yes, is what the first presentation for the deal was. And my lawyer was like, one, we're not signing our master rights to you guys. Like it's not happening. Two is how the fuck are we going to make seven albums with $350,000? Like, <laughs> right. Cause like people need to understand, like they don't hand you $350,000 and then also pay you to make the album. It's $350,000 to make the album studio time, this and that. And then I think the deal would like had like, I mean the, the, the original deal didn't have any marketing or anything in it or whatever. Um, so yeah, it was like, it was ridiculous we ended up going back to them and saying, listen, like, here's five songs. Lil Bitch is one of them. We had another song called Moonwalk. We had another song called, we had a couple, we had a couple other songs. We were like, we will license you these five songs for $350,000. And the money will go towards the feature fees, mixing, mastering, any other things we need to, you know, create the songs. So it went from a seven, <laughs> seven album deal to five license deals for the same amount of money. Uh, but FYI artists, if you ever get, you know, a deal presented to you, negotiate <laughs> like fucking. Yeah, that is that. unbelievable because a lot, you, you and I both know a lot of artists see $350,000. That's more money that they've ever seen in their entire life. Like a lot of them are coming. Fortunately, you were coming from a good place. A lot of them are coming from dire straits and they see that forget the album commitment. They're like, oh, I'm set, right? Like this label wants to secure themselves to me and like they want to be latched on to me for seven albums. I'm getting all this money up front and and they put themselves in a really terrible position. They can't get out of their deals. They don't have money to finance their projects. You know, these aren't uh, advances, just like straight cash. To your point, it then has to be used to like actually create the albums. And so it was very wise. And I'm sure a lot of the leverage that you created was from earlier in your career to be able to say, you know what? No, like this is a terrible, terrible deal. And you can start to get through and we'll, we'll dive into like more of the web three front shortly, but you can start to get a sense if you're uh, new to the music industry and learning why this is so appealing to so many independent artists and so many people that have seen these really predatory type of relationships to be able to have full control, to be able to really lean in and, and build out their own brand uh, and not have to worry about you know, being in a, a toxic relationship for seven albums. That's like 21 years. Like that's, that's insane. Wait, my bad. Hold on, give me a second. My dog, my dog just hit that. Hey, 
<laughs> Sydney is is leaving I, to go. My bad. Get I have a dog. dog, and like they just figured out how to open the studio door, and now they're just sitting by the other dog. I just want to make sure that they're not escaping. You know. No, all all good. We gotta you got you gotta pan to the dogs at some point too. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll let I'll, I'll bring in the dogs as guest stars. But dude, it you know what's fucked up is the fact that like a partnership was trying to be formed and they with that first deal like like it's almost like you're right like if i was if i didn't have a great team around me if i wasn't seasoned in the industry if i was a up-and-coming artist who was just needed to make it you know and like saw the light at the end of the tunnel of like oh my god a big big record label atlantic you know ed sheeran cardi b all these great artists are on it like they're presenting me with this opportunity uh like, yeah, I, I would have taken that deal. If I didn't have advisors, I would have taken that deal. And and that just is such a bad place to start a, a business relationship is off of, like you said, like a predatory deal, you know? And like, it's just, it just boggles my mind that like those, even even with like all the social media that's out now and, you know, all of like, all of the opportunity like that, that for education and also like, I guess what's the word, but like positive relationships and just doing the right thing, you know? And like, is, is, is almost as important as your business practices, like on your bottom line is like, you know, are you helping people? Are you helping the environment? Like that's as, as much a part of a brand nowadays. And so like how these record labels are getting away with that shit, like, and not reevaluating their initial, you know, template deal. And like, when I say the word record labels, like, I want to like, be clear that like, yeah. it wasn't anybody's fault at that record label. It's their template fucking offer, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so like, you know, the, my A&R who was at the label, like, it wasn't like him out to get, you know, his artists and be like, I'm going to, I'm going to, it was just like, he's just following orders from, the business admin team who's just you know doing their job from the ceo who's also just trying to appease the shareholders so it's like that's the system that's broken is that like the people have the best intentions but at the end of the day like the system is not set up to help and and, and have that positive sum for its artists that's exactly it because it is it is value extractive at its core and so the negotiation point of where you start if it was like fair on the left side and unfair on the right side, it's all the way to the right. It could not be more to the right. And so as an artist, as you go into these situations, just know, and just generally in negotiations, like it's a negotiation, <laughs> make sure that you're doing your due diligence, make sure that you're asking people and, and getting a good sense. Don't assume, even if the people of Sydney, to your point, the people around you have like your best interests at heart, the structure of the deal, the structure of the environment that they're in does not. And so I think that's a really, really important point to make for, for folks and artists that may be getting into the space. All right. So anyways, let's move forward in the timeline. You sign the deal with Atlantic, you go from seven albums and 350 to the same amount of money for five singles, including the one that you had already produced. How, how does it move forward from there? And how does Chill Pill start to really develop into to Chill RX? Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we took a year, I think from 2019 to 2020, uh, after the signing to, uh, perfect all the songs, get in, you know, get in with other artists, start to spread the word of like the music side of things. Um, and it was around this time also that like, we started to treat chill pill as, um, its own entity, like rather than like it being like my alter ego, like we would have like creative meetings with my, like the, my creative director and the rest of the team, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, what are what is Chill Pill doing today? What is what what Instagram posts are we gonna do? Like, what and like so like it it sort of like became a mini DAO in itself. Like, just like with me and the rest of the team, uh, deciding on the creative direction of this artist, you know, as opposed to just like it's me behind this cartoon character. Right. And right. and like this was we were doing this before I knew what a DAO was, you know, like or like before the DAO that the coin was termed. I don't even know. Like, it was just it was kind of happening organically um and and at the same time this was 2020 um we started to drop some music and the music was getting really well received but 
there was a disconnect between the character and the songs, partially because the label didn't understand how to market the character, partially because we didn't understand how to market or how to, how to maneuver between what we wanted to do and what the label wanted to do. So everybody kind of had different objectives, you know, and because of that, I think there was like a little disconnect with the web to consumer. And what I realized, like, you know, going into 2020 was, and, and this is also during the pandemic, like, so the pandemic happened, we started releasing some music, there was a disconnect, but I get, I got an influx of calls that year from everybody who I had previously had meetings with, who laughed me out of the room saying, are you the dude who can still tour? even though we're locked down? Are you the dude who like has that artist like that you get in the green screen suits? Like you can still do music videos? Like like all of like the reasons for, for why everybody was against it before is now they, they were now getting, oh wait, this is the one digital. So I was like in the process- The paradigm of, had shifted. The their paradigm their had entire, shifted. yeah, their needs had completely shifted because of the pandemic. Exactly. You know, and like there was, you know, there was that always idea of like, you know, I think it, I, like that was the funniest call I ever got. It's like, are you the guy who like, who can do those shows? Like, but like not real show, like, you know, they didn't even know how to explain it, but it was just like, like, are, are you still interested? What are you guys up to nowadays? But it, I think that was kind of like my, you know, my signal to go deeper into web three and not, not take the bait of these web two you know, surface level, you know, only doing it because it's what's necessary instead of like what, what's, what it's like the reasoning was for bettering the tech and bettering the culture. It was just mainly to make money. That's why they're reaching out. Right. right. And, and so, yeah, that's when I, I decided, I mean, and this is also a parallel to like artifact and, you know, uh, it was right before board apes. Um, you know, I, re- I distinctly remember this time because we had shut down like board apes was around 2021. I remember in 2020 around like March when everything shuts down and for like the first three months, everything was on IG live, like everything, everyone was on there all the time. There was all of these media publications about, Oh, our virtual events going to be the new thing. And you see people like start to mass congregate around them. And that, that certainly has lost some steam but I think with a lot of people who were there and remember and realize that, no, this was very much like a bellwether event. People are willing and able and want to lean in. I, I look at something like Tame Impala recently did like a 10 year anniversary of lonerism. They did a live stream in three different places. Or you think about how Travis Scott did the concert in Fortnite and you had tens of millions of people attending it virtually. Like those things are still relevant and accelerating. And so, yeah, I just want to set the backdrop in terms of everything that you had been saying years previously is starting to bear fruit. Now everyone is starting to come knocking on your door of like, hey, can we partner with you? And so take us through the decision of like, nope, I'm going to continue building this and and really getting to, to chill our ex. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was during that time that like, you know, I started getting into NFTs uh, and collecting and, um, and just ex- experimenting and like, you know, that the NFT side of things. Um, and I want to say, you know, around board ape, the board ape drop. What was that? Like there was like a moment in time right it's before like board ape. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was when the music, the music industry had like a, two month like aha moment of nfts and every single big artist put a wow verite rac yeah it was like there was king making happening in the music nft space around that time yeah and there was also like that moment where like all the artists who didn't know or all of how do i put it you know you also had like the artists who like weren't going all in on web3 but capitalizing it you know i remember like rico nasty partnering with you know, uh, uh, some di- digital artist to do like a drop on, on super rare or something. And, right. you know, so like everybody got wanted, really hot. Everybody, yeah. There was like a year, or, I mean, a, a month or two of like everybody, you know, yeah. trying. And then the, then the bear happened, you know, and we dipped and everybody dipped the fuck out. And then board apes minted 
around the same time. And I was like, yo, like the fact that Bored Apes did the, you know, the license, it gave the license to everybody. That was like an aha moment for me of like, okay, wait, like I have this artist who is not me. It, my team is working on it with me. We're equally doing it. Like what if other people could work on it? Like what if the fans could also work on it? And that's kind of what shifted this, this idea of like, you know what, like, let's not, let's not try to, you know, capitalize on the moment now because the pandemic will end show live shows will happen again. And then what's going to happen? Like everybody who signed a chill pill then will have forgotten about the virtual artist and moved on to the IRL things because the money's back in town. So we, that's when we really decided to go all in on, on building our own community. And, and so basically what we did, it was an interesting, an interesting strategy, but like I decided I didn't want to make like chill pill character NFTs like out of the, 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 the mat, like out of chill pill. Uh, Cause it just didn't feel right. If there was like, if there was multiple I- identities of this character and like, who's the, who then, who is the artist that's performing? Is it this guy or this guy, this guy? So like I, I, I pulled chill pill back. We stopped releasing music and we started to build the community of chill RX, which is like chill pills, metaverse minions who are controlling him and the record label. And, you know, they're, they're like, they're, Chill Pill's the mascot and these these Lil Pills are the you know in, in the driver's chair. And they're they're the record label making the creative decisions, signing other artists, you know, deciding what we do, where we go. Um, and then that's the, we built that community and we and and kind of focused more so on more so on on web three and community building more than the music aspect of it, um, for Chill Pill. And and then we tied it all together during the mint. Um, I think you you were around during that time, but like we like rented I our was, record plan. We like, you know, that like that record plan, a month before we minted out um, was like the magical moment of like all of the things coming together. And like we, we, we rented out like a huge studio in LA and basically like during the day, like when you book out big studios, it's like a 12 hour block. So we had 12 hours to kill. So. And, and it's like a gigantic studio. Like you, you got to think like the studio, there's the giant control room with the big board. And then across the glass is like a big room that fits a symphony. So it's a huge location. So we turned it into like a half music making space, half event space. And during the day we would all come and like, you know, make songs and, and work on the album uh, for chill pill with the community that we were building. And at night we would throw these parties and bring people who aren't musicians into the studio and experience like this, you know, aura and this essence to really try to merge the the worlds together, the web three world and the music world. Um, and it was awesome. It like, you know, it was just like a really fun time. We ended up making the a decentralized album is, is, is what we're calling it. And it was just like, we made a, I think we probably made a hundred to 150 songs with the community, with other wow. web three artists, uh, you know, and, and then we let, you know, the community decide on which ones come out and we drop it all through our airdrop that we just did. So yeah, that was, so I want to dive good. into that it leading, leading up to this draw. It, it was very unique at the time, like this idea of creating, we've seen like web three record labels since, you know, probably a label came out, Stickman toys. There's been like a bunch, uh, particularly within Warner and everything that Seb Simone, shout out to him. I think he's phenomenal uh, has been doing, but really this was like the first web three record label. So Walk me through that process. I distinctly remember jumping on at Twitter Spaces. I was like cold as hell in Colorado, listening to you give the pitch around what ChillerX was, why as holders you would want to be involved in this. And you kind of gave a little bit of it already. It's this very collaborative spirit. You've already been doing things within this ecosystem that felt DAO-like. So as a holder, what was your initial pitch uh, to have one of these, these little pills? So the, it's funny, it, it's changed over the, yeah. the last year, but initially it was, you know, it was a artist and record label DAO that would control this virtual artist chill pill and chill pill like was already Grammy nominated, already platinum selling, like had kicked the doors down for our DAO, 
like you know so i think a lot of the record labels that you know are also DAOs or web through record labels or even like virtual artists like that's the battle is that uphill battle of like kicking the door down getting into the right rooms getting into um you know making the right songs all of that stuff and we had done that we had spent three years building that so that was kind of our our separator is that like look we're three years ahead of everybody when it comes to web two access web two accolades you know our web two budgets you know like at that time like we we have a, a chance to take the web three world and really really become that artist dao right like the the dao of all daos for a virtual artist um and and i think that was like for me the most exciting part of it all was like i wanted to be able to have this chill pill character and step back and let let's let the rest of the community decide what to do with it you know and help guide it and help you know take meetings when i needed to and all that but like really like leave it up to the core team and then the rest of the community. And I mean, I, the pitch worked, we sold out, you know, like, and the party worked, but in hindsight, you know, we also sold out at the peak of the bull run, you know, which came along with a lot of strings, uh, which was looking back, you know, it was, it was people buying off of the potential of the flip rather than actually wanting to participate in mm. the DAO, you know? And, and it, it's funny too, cause we sold out. It was an amazing moment. We were like, we did it amazing. And then the next day or two, I think what, like basically the, like the roadmap was we're going to drop a song next week after we mint out and it's going to be a web three and web two release. And it's going to feature a Web two artist. It's going to be distributed on Web two, um, but Web three will have you know be able to mint and be able to participate in the creation of it. So like we had it all set up, and and we did that. Like within the first week, one of the songs from the decentralized album the month prior, f I think five of our uh, community members wrote the song, uh, the produced it, wrote it. We sent it to. Jake, who's like a big TikTok artist, uh, he has like billions of streams on TikTok. Uh, he recorded it, and that was going to be the song we released. So it was like this, like community-made song, specific, one hundred percent community-made. All of our community members who participated get the royalties directly back to them from Web Two royalties uh, because they're credited as writers and producers on it. And and so everything was like, like it was an amazing, it was amazing fucking time. We had a listening session within that first week to like listen to the song we're coming out and then some of the other album stuff and whatever. And I remember being on that listening session in Discord. And, you know, the main sediment of the the conversation was not about music. It was about floor price. It was about, you know, the the things that had nothing to do with the community or what we thought we were building, which was this idea of this decentralized artist. Um, so that was when like, it kind of slapped me in the face of like, okay, like we need to recalibrate if we all want to be on the same page and get aligned incentives. Um, because I, I, it didn't feel fair to me um, for the people who did want to participate in, in an artist DAO for, for me to like care more about the, fl what the flippers needs were, floor price. Yeah. which was floor price. And like, how are we going to increase, you know, and like put all of my mind to that. Um, but it also what you're hitting on is this, this double-edged sword of financialization that a lot of projects that minted during the bull started to feel post-mint. And, and certainly now, as they're watching, this is actually something I wrote about last week, you're actually seeing holder accounts across the board go down. And if you were in a traditional startup sense, negative growth is a death spiral. Negative growth means like 
red alert, everyone like batting down the hatches. We need to get this fixed immediately. And, and ultimately, a lot of it comes from what you said, misaligned expectations in the beginning and what that does to not have people that are mission aligned to what it is that you're looking to build and are just looking for a quick flip or it was so frothy back then. So I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think it's a, a lesson that a lot of projects have currently and those that are looking to build in the future, it's something to really think about. How do you, how do you one, make sure that you're getting mission aligned people into your community, which is very challenging to do and, and be able to vet them appropriately and two, actually delaying financialization. Like, how do you find ways to ensure that the people are there and actively participating are doing it for the right reasons? And I think the way that you do that is stripping financialization for a bit. Like, you get them just participating for other benefits. And there are plenty of different incentive structures, right? Whether it is status or access or community, sense of belonging. Like, there, there are a lot of ways that you can build incentives that aren't putting money in people's pockets. But the second that you do that, you really shift what expectations look like for a community. So I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think it's a lesson a lot of people are learning. Yeah, it, it's, it's a huge lesson. I, you know what, it's also, I, I don't think, I don't think it's always like that. I think it's all about like the initial community that you're building. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Apes is a great example of like, you know, they, even though they were financially incentivized in the beginning, um, the, because there wasn't a hype cycle as much around it at the time, it, it was like, it, people were there for different reasons. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't strictly, and I think it's like a percentage based thing really more so like if you have 80% of your community is there to, to come in flip, because this looks like a good opportunity because there's credits and the team looks right. And this and that like is a completely different sediment than if 50, it's 50, 50 you know, or 49.51. And keep in mind, that was a different time too, because when apes minted, I distinctly remember that moment. Like they didn't mint out right away. And the people that were there and trading them in the beginning did it like it was a meme. Like the entire premise of Bored Ape was this idea of, well, wouldn't it be cool if these apes got rich off of crypto and ended up in a, in a swamp? Like where would they hang out? And so I think the OGs of that community, similar to OG punks, it was just a very different time. And what you got was the subsequent people that saw the success of those projects afterwards, looked at it and said, that can be me. If I, if I get into the right project, that can be me. But their mindset was different from the beginning. Exactly. Exactly. The mindset was different from the beginning. And then you have like this dichotomy of community members who are there because they believe in the mission. And then community members who are there because they want to flip. And if the mission and the flip and is, is different, like I, I'll tell you like straight up, like we, I, I've made, mis I made tons of mistakes in that first month or two because I was going back and forth between like hearing the community, which was flippers asking why, what are we doing to get the floor price up? Meanwhile, like I had like the core group of people who wanted to make the music and this and that, but I was, I was like just, pulled in both directions at one point like you know i remember at one point there was an opportunity to collaborate with the board apes um but but i had sold all my board apes like before so i bought an ape with the money from the treasury asked like so i asked everybody yo like like we had this opportunity with apes should i use it to to make it to do this opportunity got the ape went into uh you know the ape list discord uh set up a partnership for nft or nft la with chill rx uh subsequently it was like at the same time as ape coin came coming out so we got airdropped a bunch of ape coin then flipped the ape and then we ended up having because of the way the market structured we we ended up having more money in the treasury and like a bunch of fucking ape coin from the airdrop. Right. So it was like a, woo. Oh my God. Like that's amazing. But meanwhile, everybody on the other side is like, well, why are you buying apes <laughs> with, we're supposed to be making music. And I'm like, well, wait, like this is really good for the, the treasury and we're setting up great partnerships. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. Like this isn't the core mission. 
so we had to take like a step back and it was it was like a moment of time where it was like listen like what does the long term look like like which is like it's 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 about if i go back to the original mission which is like how is this project going to look in three years mm-hmm. and how are we going to get there like what does this look like it like w- what in my vision is chill pill the artist is is an a-list avatar artist top 20 on billboard puts out hits tours the world as an avatar artist our dao and community members are participating actively in that project whether it be songwriting and getting accolades from contributing to the songwriting and production of this of these of this music you know and and or or getting to participate in creative direction things like i i envisioned a world where like imagine a digital artist who is touring but like i don't need to go on to a world tour i can hit up a community member in india and be like yo Chill Pill has a booking at, you know, at a club tonight. Do you want to handle the show tonight? And let the community member in India go handle that show. And we split the profits with the community as opposed to me having to be this artist. And like, that's my big vision for this, this artist, digital artist ecosystem and community powered record label is like, it's, it's leveraging all of the assets or not the assets, not the right, leveraging all of the, the, you know, potential of, of having like this digital avatar um, as this mascot, leveraging the technology, but then like empowering the community to take part and give them the access and, and the availability to like, you know, go perform a show at, 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 at in Ibiza. I don't want to go fucking perform a show at Ibiza. Like, like, you know, I'm not doing that shit. I have a kid on the way, you know, I, like it's, I've been there, done that. I'm done with that. But one of our community members, that would change their life. That would be a completely new way, perspective of, of, of what they do in their music career. They get to experience it. Like, I want to take like those moments um, that I experience when you say going through the third door. Like, I want to give third door opportunity to all of our holders. Like, through this, you know, avatar and through this community record label. Like, how can we how can we, so like when we really sat down and me and the team were like, listen, like, what are we going to do here? Like, should we be spending our time trying to set up partnerships that have nothing to do with music? Like, will in three years, like if we do 20 of those, what's the project going to look like? And then in three years, if we do 20 music-based really, you know, specific, you know, drops, projects, um, building technology for our mission, what's the project going to look like? And that's when we took a step back and we're like, listen, we have to, we, we can't listen to the people who are not here for the mission. We have to listen to the people who are going to be here, whether it's a 0.1 floor price or 100 floor price, like like they're here for the, the mission and the artists and the music and the, and the tech you know, and where we're going to be in five years. So yeah, I don't know. I ranted my bad. Like, no, it's a great like journey that you've been on from your time in the music industry, being a producer to discovering that you could use these avatars to give yourself a different representation and, and not have to, you know, be above your, your master or mentor, so to speak, and to create then chill pill and chill RX and go through those trials and, and tribulations. I think on a macro scale, the entire NFT community went through and, and really when things were frothy, getting, getting a check now that they're not and knowing, okay, what did we do this for originally? And the smart teams are circling back and figuring out what is the North Star because it's going to get it's going to get hectic again. And now is the time to really make sure that you're aligned on where you're wanting to go. And also you have a community that if they're here today, they're here for the long run. So you're never going to have more of an opportunity to really lean in with them. Uh, yeah. We are at the, uh, at the hour mark. I have so many things that I could talk to you about, Sydney. We're definitely going to have to do another episode of this because there's 
million things I want to talk to you about Defiant. And, you know, I know you've got some other things in the works that we can't talk about yet. Um, but any, any parting words, where can people find you? Uh, any, anything you want to plug now is the time and we'll wrap it up. There's my, my at right there. <laughs> for, for those that don't see it on uh, video, <laughs> it is at Sydney Swift. You can find him uh, very easy to find on Twitter. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I appreciate it. This was so much fun. Let me know when you want to do it again. I'm down. To, I'm, I'm down to talk web three all day. I know it. Well, I'm going to see you in London and Basel and everywhere else. So we'll, we'll get some more time for sure. But thank you again, man. I really can't thank you enough. This was a fantastic pleasure for me. The hour flew by. So yeah, we'll do it again soon. For sure. Peace, peace. All right, Sid. So it's been great having you on. One question I'm going to be asking everyone moving forward. What is the one big idea you would like to leave the audience with today? That is a big question. I think to tie it back to what we originally were talking about, it's like there is this idea that, you know, my big idea is that you can do anything you set your mind to. I know it's cliche. It sounded corny as I said it, but like there's always a way. There's always a way. There's always that third door, you know, and every single moment in my career that has changed my trajectory for the better has been based off of pushing through that, that plateau or going through that third door, doing something that people, the majority of people won't do, whether it be, you know, putting my, you know, sneaking into a studio and putting my tracks on, whether it be like, waiting i had a i had an interview once and in, you know in, instead of leaving after the hour of the person not showing up i sat there for eight you know and like doing that one thing that most people like they stop at this one point if you go past that comfort zone and you like say fuck it i'm gonna be the person that does does it a little different like it, that that mentality changed my life like there was this uh saying my dad always said, which was like, if you have, there's like the butterfly feeling when you're out of your comfort zone or like you're getting on like a roller coaster, you know, like you don't know what you're about to do. If you can learn how to crave that feeling, like most people identify it and then, and then they walk away from it because they're like, I don't like that feeling. It's a weird feeling. But if you habitually remind yourself that, oh, that's a good feeling and you seek it out. And the more that you feel butterflies in your stomach, the more you know you're doing the right thing and like and like so like that's my i guess that's my big idea is just like seek out that butterfly feeling if you haven't had it in a while get up go do something to find, feel that feeling because that feeling means you're like you're moving forward you're getting on that next that next trajectory chase those butterflies chasing a better way to end it sydney thank you so much really appreciate it we'll have you on again soon